last week we started this series called The Good Life. And we're just uh, going to take selections from this book called Ecclesiastes. And what Ecclesiastes is, is uh, it's, really, it's really Solomon, the wisest and richest and blankest person to ever live. Reflecting on his life, reflecting on his life and saying, what, what actually is the good life? What actually matters? Because here's the deal is whether you know that you're asking it or not, you're asking the question, you're looking for an answer to what is the good life? I want the good life. What does that look like? And, and you have an answer to it. It's, it's going to this school. It's getting married. It's living in this state or making this much money or having this whatever. And, and you have this definition, but really we need to ask the question, what does the Bible say the good life is? Because whether you believe it or not, the Bible has the best answers to the most important questions that you have. If, it's, if we say, and I do say, that these are God's words, then we should, we should ask that question. What does the Bible say the good life is? And so last week we jumped in and looked at, okay, so is the good life found in pursuing pleasure? What I want, when I want, how I want. And Solomon said, that's a vanity. It doesn't satisfy you. In fact, only, only Jesus is the one who, who satisfies our needs. Uh, and today we're going to ask this question. Is the good life found in having a lot of money? Is the good life found in having a lot of money? Now, here's where, here's where you start to either turn off or check out or whatever. Well, this is irrelevant to me. I'm a teenager. I obviously have not a lot of money. But here's the deal. Here's why this applies to you. Here's why you've got to listen. Uh, this is for you. Because plenty of you, if not all of you, are dreaming about the day. that You can start making money so you can finally start to live this life that you always wanted. But it all hinges on money. I just need money. i got to have money. And the more money, the better. Right? And so it does apply to you. So don't check out. But I want us to think about it like this. Uh, this, is, uh, this is just normal granulated sugar, right? Domino sugar. People use it to sweeten stuff. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, but uh, how many of you like to eat sugar? You eat it plain. Like you're, you like it plain. Yeah? You're good with that. Like if I opened this, you would eat it. All right. You, yeah. I didn't, I just, it's, an, <laughs> it's a closed package. I didn't. So, right? Go ahead. I didn't do anything to it, I promise. <laughs> Tastes like sugar? It's good? That's enjoyable, right? That's enjoyable. Okay, right. That's enjoyable. So sugar's used for all kinds of things. You use it to sweeten things. You use it, right, for all kinds of stuff. Put it in drinks. Put it in baked goods. That whole, that whole deal. Do you want to eat a water? Would that be helpful? You're good? Awesome. Too bad. <laughs> all right, so, right, so this is how, this is how it goes. Sugar... It's, it's even enjoyable to, to eat, right? Uh, but somewhere along the way, somebody decided, you know what? I don't really like to use sugar to sweeten stuff. So in like the late 40s, early 50s, 1940s and early 1950s, this guy discovered this. Uh, it's like a, it's a chemical. Let's just be fair. That said, wow, uh, this, this chemical, this thing, we could form it together. And we could use it as a sweetener. And in fact, it's like three or four hundred times more sweet than sugar. And so came this thing called sweet and low. Right? Uh, 
And they market it. They market. They, they began when they began, they marketed it like this. Sugar substitute. It tastes just like sugar. Lauren, you want to eat this? The, so here's my question. Does it taste like sugar to you? Doesn't, does it taste good to you? No, it doesn't. Uh, so the, the advertisement was, it tastes just like sugar. Did it taste like sugar? So therefore, Sweet and Low is a liar. liar. There, there are fakes. Right? We, in, in, the marketing, in the marketing world, right, you, you, would, say, you would say that's not... That's not how they advertise. That, is, that product is not as advertised. It did not provide what they say it would provide. It said it would taste just like sugar, and it didn't provide that. Now, it's really silly when we're talking about sugar and sweet and low, right? However, this is, this is the reality when it comes to money. It's on the front side, you hear... Money will give you everything you want. The more money you get, the more happiness you get. The more money you get, the more secure you will be. The more money you get, the better life will be. If you get money, you will get the good life. And I am telling you, it will be just like that experiment. You will find that it's false advertising. It's not actually going to give you what you think. It's not actually going to be how they told you it would be. And in fact, the rich, one of, if not the richest man to ever live, is going to say, I've had the money. And it wasn't what I thought it would be. So let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Starting in verse 10. We're going, to read, we're going to read a pretty good chunk, so stay with me. Here we go, Ecclesiastes 5 verse 10. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This is also vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. There's a gracious evil that I have seen, a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt, and those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he is a father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. As he came from his mother's womb, he shall again naked as he came and shall take nothing for his toil and he may carry away in his hand. This also is a grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness and in much vexation and sickness and anger. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun, the few days of his life that God has given him. For this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and, and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil, this is the gift of God. For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. So this is Solomon writing about money, reflecting on his life about did money actually give me the good life? Was it everything that I thought it would be? And if we're just wondering like, okay, like how rich are we talking? Like how, how wealthy was Solomon? Uh, he received around, right? This is, a get, this is an estimate, right? So don't be like, mom, 
this is an exact number. It's not. It's an estimate. But he received somewhere around $760 million, the equivalent of gold, per year. Per year. That's a lot of money. His net worth, like, like his, at the end of his life, what he was worth is estimated to between. This is a large gap, but it was estimated between. Anywhere between $100 billion and $1.2 trillion. Solomon's not messing around. He's got, he's got a little bit of money, right? When you're pulling gold bars out of your pockets like they're quarters, you got a lot, you got a lot of money, right? It's like, oh, do you take gold bars? Awesome, great. So, so let's be clear. He, he is the authority on this because he's seen it. He's had it. So if anybody knows whether or not money is going to give you the good life, we should listen to Solomon. And so what does he say? Let's look at verse 10. Chapter 5, verse 10. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This is also vanity. Well, let's pray. We're just going to go home now. I mean, just right out of the gate, he's like, hey, just going to let you know, money's not going to give you what, what you're looking for. It's not. It's vanity. Well, then the natural question that we've got to ask is why? Why not, Solomon? You've got to give us some reason. You can't just tell us that and be like, okay, whatever, dude. Like, you had a ton of money. You got to tell us why. Okay, so we're going to look at why. We're going to ask that question. Why does money not give you the good life? Why does it not? The first reason that it doesn't. Because more money just equals more problems. You've heard it in the rap songs. Mo money, mo problems. You're like, wow, you're white. Yeah, I understand. You've heard it. What does he, what does Solomon say? Look at verse, look at verse uh, 13. I'm sorry, 11. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner, but to see them with his eyes. Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. He says, look, you can have a whole lot of money, but you're just going to be all stressed out about it because you're just going to be looking at it. And you're like, oh, my gosh, what if somebody tries to steal my money? I have a I, I have uh, it's just stressing me out. And I don't know. Like and then he says in verse 12, sweet is the sleep of a laborer. You can you can work and get paid and you're you're laying down in your head at night and uh, on your you're laying your head on your pillow at night. and You're like, oh, I'm good. No worries. Whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich, even if your stomach is full, it won't let him sleep. Because mo- more money just equals more problems. What are those problems? The first one is this. When you have tons of money, you're just, what you have is an unquenchable desire to get more of it. You have an unquenchable, like you cannot satisfy, an unsatisfying desire to get more money. And you're like, no, that's not true. If I had a certain amount of money, I wouldn't want more money. So check this out. John D. Rockefeller, one of the richest Americans ever, ever, was, was worth somewhere between three and $400 billion at the end of his life. He was asked this exact question. Hey, how much money is enough money? When are you satisfied? You know, this was his answer. Check this out. One more dollar. One more dollar. You can't even fathom $300 billion. 
right? On a bad day, I might get the zeros wrong if I wrote that down. But we would think, oh, well, certainly that's enough. But this guy had it. And he said, I just want just one more dollar. Just one more dollar. You see, because the more money you get, the more money you want. It's not going to satisfy. You think it will. It's tricking you. It's just like sweet and low. It's false advertising. It's tricking you. The, the, the last reason that it's more money equals more problems is the more money you get, the more anxiety you have. The more money you get, the more anxiety you have. Think about it like this. I had some friends in high school when we started driving. I had some friends that drove uh, some not-so-awesome cars, right? So most of the time, that's not always true to today, but back in my day, uh, some of my friends drove some beaters. Like, it was bad. It was bad. So much so that this is how they treated it. Like, I would, I would ride with them, and we'd pull in, we'd park. They would turn the car off, take the keys out, get out of the car, throw the keys in the driver's seat with the doors unlocked, shut the door, and we would walk inside. I'm like, hey, uh, your keys are in your car. He's like, yeah, yeah, nobody's going to steal it. <laughs> right. And you know what? Nobody ever stole it. Nobody ever did. Because it was a beater. Not, not, who wanted that car? He was never worried about it. They were never worried about it. They didn't have to worry about it. It was this pile of junk, but it got him where they needed to go. I also had another friend. And on his birthday one year, his parents bought him a brand new truck. Brand new. Like, super swanky. Right? They put aftermarket exhaust on it. It was like the top of the line, limited edition, whatever. Leather seats, that whole deal. I had friends in high school that would wake up in the morning when there was dew on their car, and they would get a towel, and they would wipe the dew off of their car. I'm like, you're dumb. So this guy gets his new truck, he's riding in his truck, he's dating this girl, the girl's coming from, I don't know, some, some event that she was at, her shoes are a little dirty, she hops in his truck, and she gets some dirt on his floor mats, homeboy unloaded on her, I'm like, dude, she's going to leave. This kid yelled at his girlfriend in high school for getting some dirt on his floor mat. Some of you girls are like, oh, no, that would not be happening. I would be out of there. Right? But why did he do that? Because his anxiety level skyrocketed. He got this nice, pristine thing, and it didn't, you know what it didn't do? It didn't just, like, make him chill out. It's like, finally, I got this new car. I, uh, no big deal. Yeah, get in. I know you just rolled in the mud. Who cares? This car's awesome. No, he was like, don't touch it. Don't look at it. Don't, if you're, just get away. Because the more, the, the better the thing is, the, the more money you get, or the better the, 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 the thing that you get is, the more anxiety that you get. You think it's the other way. Oh, if I just had that thing, if I just had this much money, I would chill out. No, you wouldn't. You would freak out. You would just be more anxious. You'd be like, Ugh. More money just causes you to have more anxiety. You see, it's not, it is not, it is not that money gives you comfort. 
It is the perception of getting money that gives you comfort, right? You just perceive, you just think it would be, if I could just make fill in the blank, I, my life would be good. But you know what's going to happen? You're going to get there one day and you're going to make that much money and you're going to think, this is not enough money. If I could just make fill in the blank, then I would be good. And then you'll get there and you're like, this is not enough money. It's not that money gives comfort. It's the perception of money that gives you comfort. But you'll find that it's just false advertising. It's just false advertising. The second reason that Solomon says that money doesn't give you the good life because you don't get to take it with you when you die. You don't get to take it with you when you die. Look at verse 13. There's a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt. And those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he is father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again. Naked as he came, and he shall take nothing for his toil, that he may carry away in his hand. This also is a grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness and in much vexation and in sickness and anger. What does he say? What is he talking about? He says, there's a grievous evil that I've seen under the sun. Riches that were kept by their owner to his hurt. Meaning, we just hoarded money. He kept it. He's just like, I gotta get more. I gotta get more. I gotta get more. And he's just keeping it. He's just shoving it in whatever. Think, you can think of it as a bank account. Just shoving it in a bank account. In verse 14. And those riches were lost in a bad venture. And just like that, that guy lost every bit of his money. If it's a bad business deal, fine. But guess what? That guy's gonna die one day. And guess what he doesn't get to take with him? His money. Keep going in verse 14. And he's a father of a son but he has nothing in his hand. He's coming to his son going, I got nothing for you. Verse 15, as he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again. Naked as he came, he shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. He says, guess how you're going to go? The same way you came in, empty handed. You're going to take nothing with you. And yet you're going to spend your life pursuing and bowing down to this God of money. But at the end of the day, you don't get to take it with you. You don't get to take it with you. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 6, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You hear that? You listen to Jesus. You cannot serve God and money. You can't. Some of you think, yeah, yeah, I'm going to live for God, but I'm going to be mega rich. And so I'm just going to chase that for as long as I can. Jesus just told you, you can't serve God in money. Does that mean you can't be a Christian to be rich? That's not what I'm saying. But if your pursuit is riches, you've found your God and it's not Jesus. Money is not going to give you what you think. It's not going to satisfy you like you think it's going to satisfy you. But see, the problem is, is this is how we think. We think, we hear, okay, you can't take it with you when you die. Whatever. I, I get that, right? We're not filling our pockets as we enter into heaven. But we don't care. We don't care. We think the benefits of getting and having money 
all the money that we could get on earth are way better than the rewards we would get in heaven for being faithful to God. You th- that's what we think. The benefits of having money here and being rich and the, the, the satisfaction that it would bring me are way better than the rewards I would get in heaven for being faithful to God with my money. You see, we want money more than we want God. And you know if you want money more than you want God by the way that you live your life and what you spend your time thinking about and the decisions that you make. It will control your decisions. It will control the way that you live your life. The third reason that money is not going to give you the good life. Because it's not what it was designed for. It's not what it was designed to do. You see, God created money. And he created it with a design. But he didn't design it to give you the good life, to satisfy you, to fill some void in your life. Well, then what did he design it for? How should money be viewed? Let's look at verse 18. Behold, I have seen to be I, what I have seen to be good and fitting is is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him for his lot. For this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. For this is the gift of God. So how should we view money then? How is money designed to be seen? Money is designed to be seen as a gift from God, not a God to be worshipped. It's designed to be a gift from God. Every bit of money that your parents have, every bit of money that you have, every bit of money that you will have one day, guess who it comes from? Not your employer, God. You don't own it. They don't own it. God owns it. And the sooner that we can get to a place where we understand that every good thing comes from God, we can chill out. We can chill out. You see, 1 Timothy 6.10 says this, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with pangs. He says, man, these people, they love money so much that they bailed on the faith. They were like, I I want money more than I want God. It's got to be better. It was never designed to do that. It's just a gift from God. It's just a gift from God. Well, how do we know? How do we know? How, How do we know what God has given us? How do we know the money that God has given us? Because it's the money that you have. Right? If it's a good gift from God, okay, so what is this good gift from God that we've been given in money? The amount that you have. If that amount is 400 bucks, that's from God. And if that amount is $400,000, that amount is from God. You're no better one way or the other. Every bit of it is a gift. None of it you deserved, right? It's all from God. It's all from God. So we should use it for God's glory then. We should use it for God's glory then. There's some consequences for viewing money outside of God's design. Let's see what Solomon has to say about that. Look at verse 1 of chapter 6. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, and it lies heavy on mankind. A man to whom God gives, right? That's a gift from God. God gives wealth, possessions, and honor. So he's got everything that you think you could want. He gives wealth, possessions, and honor so that he lacks nothing of all that he desires. He's He's not lacking in any way yet. God does not give him the power to enjoy them. But a stranger enjoys them. This is vanity. It's a grievous evil. He can't enjoy his money. 
Because it's such an idol, it's such a, it's a thing that he pursues that he's like, oh my gosh, I just need more. I'm anxious about it. Is it secure? Is it in the right spot? Am I spending the right things? I need to get more stuff. I need to get more money. I just need to invest it here and I need to get more of this and I got to get to this amount. And it's stressing him out. You see, God's given him all this money, but he has no power to enjoy it. And Solomon says, that's evil. Verse three, if a man fathers a hundred children and lives many years so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with life's goods, meaning if the money that God's given him is not enough and he has no burial, I say that a stillborn child is better off than he is. He says, if you're the kind of person that has however much money and it's still not satisfying to you, you might as well have been born dead. You're like, well, that's awfully extreme. But the consequence of finding your hope in money, the consequence of looking to money to find the good life is you will miss the enjoyment of life that God is trying to give to you. You'll miss it. You'll miss God's best for you chasing money. You'll miss God's best for you when you chase money. For, for this guy here in, in Ecclesiastes 6, it affects his relationship with his children. It affects how he lives his life day to day. It's, it's miserable. But that's not necessarily true for us. So how's it going to affect us? How's it going to affect us right now, today, in the, or in the days to come? Well, certainly it's going to affect you like this. If you're going to pursue money and bow down to money and look to money to, to, to fulfill you, to give you the good life. It'll control the college you go to. It'll control the degree that you get. It'll control the job you work. And my fear is that some of you will chase money so fast that you will go to a college and you will get a degree and you will get a job and you will hate your life. You will look up and you'll look at your bank account that's full of zeros at $100,000, $200,000, $300,000 and you're like, man, I've arrived and you will hate your life because you chose money over God and you'll miss God's best for you because you're chasing money instead. It's not going to give you what you think. It'll control the job you work. It'll control the people that you hang out with. Oh, I got to hang out with people that are a little more like me. That can hang in the realms that I can hang in. They can spin like I can spin. They can do what I can do. And it will affect this. When you pursue money to find the good life, it will affect your effectiveness in ministry for God. It will. You will miss opportunity after opportunity to make much of Jesus because you are too fixed on getting the next dollar. And I'm telling you, you can get all the dollars you want in your pockets, but when you stand before God, he doesn't care how much money you have in your bank account. He's never going to care. He's going to care if you were faithful or not. Whether he gave you $2 or he gave you $2 billion. The question is, were you faithful? Don't chase money and miss God's best. Don't chase money and miss God's best. Okay, well then, what we're left with is how, how the heck should we view money then? Like, okay, I don't want to run after it, then how should we view it? Go to verse 8, chapter 6, verse 8. For what advantage has the wise man over the fool? And what does the poor man have who knows how have who knows how to conduct himself before the living. Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the appetite. 
This also is vanity and a striving after the wind. What does he say? How should we view money? Verse 9. Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the appetite. This is what he means. Better is the man who's content with what he has than with what he doesn't have. If your eyes, if you find yourself thinking, oh, I wish I had my neighbor's car. I wish I had my neighbor's life. I wish I had my friend's life. This is so much better than mine because they, they do, like, like you scroll through Instagram and you're like, oh, wish I could go on a Caribbean vacation. And you have these thoughts. I mean, you roll through Instagram and you're like, your life's so much better than mine. I'm just hashtag forever alone. I'm just sitting at home binging on Netflix while you're on some Caribbean island. And you're constantly looking to what you don't have. And, and this is what's happening. Your life's miserable because of it. Because you're constantly focused on what you don't have. And how you wish you had it. And you're missing God's gift to you right in front of you. Because what you do have is a gift from God. Every bit of what you have is from God. So every time you use something that you have, you know what it should cause in you? Worship. It should cause you to say, thank you, God, for this. Thank you, God, for Netflix. Thank you, God, for this. Thank you, God, for this car that I have. I know that it has like 16 dents in it because I wrecked it 14 times. And who cares? But it's thank you, God. Because every good thing that you have is from God. Whether you have $2 or $2 billion. How he says to view money is, be content with what you have. Because it's from God. And enjoy it. It's from God. It's a gift. Enjoy it. But the issue is this. When we're not content with what God has given us, when we are consistently saying, their life's better. I wish I had their life. I wish I had this. I wish I had fill in the blank. When you do that, when I do that, I'm accusing God, saying, you didn't give me what I deserve. You didn't give me what I deserve. I deserve better than this, God. As if we know best, as if we know best how, how to work our lives. God, I deserve more than this. I deserve a bigger house than this. I deserve a better car than this. I deserve more money in my bank account than this. I deserve a better situation than this. I deserve a better whatever. When we're constantly, every time we covet, every time we look to somebody else's stuff and say, I want that. If I could just have that, I would be satisfied. If I could just get, I would have the good life. You're shaking your fist at God and saying, you, you don't, you're not giving me what I deserve here. God's given you exactly what you deserve. I'm so convinced of this. Uh, listen, the, the, scarier, the scariest thing is not that God would withhold money from you if you're like, man, I want money. The scarier thing is if God said, you want money so bad? Here's money. You keep it. That's scarier. It's scarier that God would give you what you want such to distract you from him. And you would chase money all the way to hell. Because if we're going to bow down and worship money, that's a false God. And it's only through Jesus that we get to be with God. That's it. I'm convinced. 
I, I understand that I'm in like the, like of the world, I live in the top like 2% of the world as far as rich, riches go, right? Like, you, you understand that? The families that you live in? You're in the top like two percentile of the world as the wealthiest people in the world. You're like, well, I don't feel that way. Go to anywhere besides America. You'll understand, right? So I understand that. But I'm convinced that in the eyes of Americans, God has not made me wealthy because I would be the most evil wealthy person ever. I would. I would take that money and I would not use it for the glory of God. I wouldn't. You know what I would use it for? Whatever the heck I wanted. And so I'm convinced God, by his grace, is not making me wealthy. And I'm so thankful for that. Because if he decided one day to say, you know what? You want to pursue it so much, you just have it. That's worse. That's scarier. But I'm also convinced of this. You know people who are unbelievably wealthy. That's great. Because I think, I know some wealthy people that are some of the most general, generous people on the planet. They are some of the most generous people on the planet. And God has given them that amount of money so that they can display God's generosity to other people. So with whatever you have, if it's a lot or a little, let's be good with it. Let's look at it and say, this is from God and I'm great with it. With whatever we have, let us be good with it and say, God, I'm grateful. I'm thankful for, for all that you've given me. You're like, does that mean that I don't get a job and, and like try to get promoted and, and work hard and make money? Like, no, making money is not evil, right? Getting a job and making money and having a savings account so that you can like pay for your kid to go to college one day. That's not evil at all. But if your heart is, I got to get this job so I can get a whole lot of money and I got to get a whole lot of money so that I can get this humongous house. I got to get a humongous house so I can get a, a whole lot of cars to fill the garage. And it's just me, 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 more, more, more. That's evil. That's evil. That's not for God's glory. That's not God's best. But if God lets you be wealthy, you be generous. And if you're middle of the road for the rest of your life, don't let Satan lie to you and say, the other side of the fence is better. It's not better. It's just different. Every bit of it's a gift from God.